Greetings and felicitations. Welcome to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur, and here we are again with episode two of the Chairland Chronicles. Uh, I've been listening to the last cast because I just posted it on, on all the, uh, the uh, outlets that it's available, and I was listening to it on Spotify. Okay, I made some mistakes, yes. I know what they are. It's my first time with this system. And uh, I like the way it works. I'm still learning a lot of it. I'm trying to figure out how to get better background music going on. It's not like my old podcast, Two Guys on the Move, where I had a producer, Matt Martinez. And we would sit there and we'd do the podcast. He would take off at the end of the day and he would edit add music, add bumper music, add whatever he needed to do to make it sound really slick and professional. He's very good at what he did. If you are a radio station and you need a guy like that, Matt Martinez is, is pretty good. He's a technical whiz. Uh, I admit I know enough about computers and, and iPhones that I can be dangerous, but this this kid, you give it to him and he's, he's already got it figured out. But uh, So I'm doing this on my own and I'm trying to figure out, you know, I go along as I can. And as I listened to my first episode, uh, yeah, I made a lot of mistakes. I'm trying not to make those. There were, there were a lot of the mistakes I made when I first started doing stand-up. Um, <clears throat> you know, I learned that I think my mouth was too close to the microphone because I see the, uh, the waveform patterns, and even at about eight inches away, I'm still talking quite forcefully because uh, just from the wave fronts, I can see that... Uh, my phone is doing a very good job of picking up my voice. Also, uh, okay, well, let's get back. Let's get back on on track. So today in clinic, I'm watching Fox News because that's what I do. Uh, there's not much else good on daytime or morning. At six in the morning, there's not a whole lot on butt news. So I'm watching the news, and this whole thing with the coronavirus is really, really starting to bother me. I don't worry. I try not to worry uh, because if you fear, if you let fear drive what you do, it is the mind killer and it will not allow you to do what you need to do to survive. It's like the people running out to HB and buying 20, 30 gallons of milk. Why are you doing that? There's no need for that. There's plenty to go around. We're not going to run out uh, when you should worry. And see, I, I get it. It's because, oh, because the stores are going to close. Well, maybe, maybe not. When that, well, you know, you cross that bridge when you come to it. And that's what you do. So, coronavirus, COVID-19. It's out there. A lot of more people than are going to get infected. I am, as I've stated before, I'm in a high-risk group because I have a compromised immune system because of my chronic kidney disease and the fact that I'm on dialysis. Also, if you are on uh, chemotherapy, you are at high risk also because your immune, you have no immune system. Basically, the chemo has destroyed it. So that's why infections are very, very deadly to people on chemo. Also, if you have COPD, any kind of, you have asthma, you have any kind of lung problems, this is a devastating illness to get. You may be young and you may beat it, but there are those that don't. Because it starts off in your head like an upper upper respiratory illness, like uh, allergies. But once it moves into the lungs and becomes a lower respiratory illness, it can be devastating. 
because it almost instantly turns into pneumonia of some kind, and that's what kills. That is why they're finding out that there's a shortage of ventilators in the hospitals, and if this becomes a bigger problem than it is now, and you have people flooding hospitals, you're going to overwhelm the medical uh, system. And based on that, I have to say something really quick. If you know a doctor or a nurse, if you work in the medical field, if you're the person that greets people when they come into the doctor's office to make sure they're there for the right appointment, I applaud you. You've got a lot of you've got a lot of grit to do what you do because you deal with us. And from what I've seen, people the way they behave in a doctor's office, it's amazing. And I understand why some of you uh, health workers can get attitudes really, really quick. It's really easy to do because people are just obnoxious. So, you know, I try to establish a very good rapport with my technician. I think I have a good, you know, I'm not a bad guy. And uh, here's the thing, you know, always put your best foot forward. And they respond in kind. And it's the same thing with people in the grocery store. The people at the uh, drive-thru, you know, and uh, in the restaurant. And I came from a business where it was a service industry. It was a comedy club that I worked at. And all the servers, the bartenders, the cooks, they, they were all working basically on tips. So when you work in that industry, when you're a waiter, a server, a busboy in a restaurant, you don't make a whole lot. I think the standard state wage for service workers is $2.13 an hour. So you live off tips. I mean, if you have a good night, you can work, roll in with two, $300 worth of tips, and that's what you got to live on. Because you're certainly not going to live on two thirteen an hour. And right now, because of the, of the COVID-19, they're, they're trying to pass legislation to improve what people are getting, people on unemployment also need money, uh, people on food stamps, because you, you can't live on $20 a month, you can't, you just can't, I mean $20 will buy you a gallon of milk, a loaf of bread, maybe a box of cornflakes, and that has to last you a month, yeah, you're shaking your head, I'm pretty sure you are, because you can't do that. I don't know any normal human being that can do that. So now I understand why people start hoarding toilet paper. Because it's, I think it's a comfort thing. Simply because they want to hold on to something. And toilet paper is, a, I guess it's a comfort item. I don't know. I mean, I go through it like you wouldn't, well, that's a whole separate story for another another segment for another time. But yeah, I I use it a lot. So, uh, I don't know, they, and, and, and people, people get itchy, people get antsy, I understand that, but one thing I have learned over the years, you have to keep your head in a crisis, because once you, once you lose control, you are no good to yourself or anybody else, you're the one that's going to be running around yelling and screaming and not getting stuff done, and there are people that will, you know, keep calm and get it done. And that's what we ought to do. Get a grip of get a grip of yourselves, people. We're all pretty good. We're all decent human beings. We can continue to continue to be so, even in the in the middle of a of a crisis. So, you know, soldier on, people. That's what we got to do. You got to be. You got to be. You know, you don't need to hoard ammunition either. 
but having a weapon isn't a bad a bad idea you know and there are a lot of unscrupulous people that are going to try to get the better take advantage of those in the middle of a crisis and um you can't get away from that it's always gone on it always will go on <clears throat> and yeah sorry i didn't excuse me i didn't mean to cough but uh, it's not corona <coughs> here we go again it's just from talking a lot it's something that i did when i was in radio um and you get used to it, and I haven't been used to it for a while. I uh, I don't talk very much anymore because when I come back from clinic, when they when they take the water out of my body, it also comes out of my vocal cords, which is one of the reasons why we cramp, because they take out too much liquid, and the first things that are going to react are your muscles that don't have any water in them, so they do what they naturally do, which is cramp. And as soon as they start pumping that saline back into you, then the cramp loosens up. You feel better. I haven't cramped in uh, several months. And because my, I'm maintaining my weight, I'm holding steady. <clears throat> I don't bring in a whole lot when I come in. Maybe two kilos at the most. I used to bring in four and I would cramp. So when you come in and they weigh you in and they tell you they they oh they you know oh wow you brought in a lot yeah you're gonna you're gonna have problems and everybody goes through it it's uh, it's a natural progression of things you're gonna cr- you're gonna cramp up <coughs> but uh, I saw the mistakes that I made I'm gonna try to remedy them remedy them and I need your your feedback so listen to the to the first episode when this one comes out I'll put it out on Friday. And we'll go from there. I want to make this a great podcast, and I need your help to do it. I can't do it alone. So, all together, let's do this. That's it. We'll be right back. And we're back. Hello, and you're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. This is Ben Hur. And today is Sunday. It's Sunday evening. It's uh, going on 8 o'clock in the evening. Been a very wet, gray, rainy weekend. Uh, it's been foggy, grainy all day. They said the sun was supposed to come out, and uh, but not till tomorrow, I guess. But even then, it's going to drizzle all night long. So, we're going into, what is it, day 6, day 7 of the COVID virus self-quarantine or the shelter-in-place Ventured out yesterday to H-E-B, and uh, the H-E-B on Goliad and, and Military Drive is not that bad. That's H-E-B, I believe, 21, I believe. But here, real quick, and I, I posted this on my Facebook page, a big shout-out to everybody that wears the red shirt at H-E-B. If you're bagging groceries, if you're, if you're checking the, the customers out, if you're a manager... If you're cutting the meat or the fish or the or you're packing the uh, the baked goods, or you got you're the guy that gets the carts from outside, wiping them down. I saw them do that, uh, even though I wiped my own down a second time just to be on the safe side. Uh, a big shout out and a big handshake, no touching uh, of kudos to you guys because you've been putting up with some really obnoxious people because I've heard the horror stories. Of people just swamping the HEBs and taking all the toilet paper, and what's up with the yogurt? Why are you taking yogurt? Yogurt has never been never been considered a survival food, but 
I guess it'll keep a long time in your fridge. So I've kept yogurt up to six months, almost a year, and it was still kind of iffy. I don't know if I would have eaten it, but it was in there a while. Uh, You guys have the toughest job because you see humanity at its worst. I saw, now when I was at my HEB, that particular one, uh, the lines to check out were only maybe two or three deep, not the two or three hundred that I've been hearing about, but that's mostly on the north side, 1604 and Blanco, Peru Road, um, all out there. That's where my sister lives because she ran into the 200 line, the 200 long line of people with carts. Now, the one thing I did notice at HEB, they put little footsies on the floor to show separation for coronavirus. And actually, it works out because if you keep your cart between you and the person behind you, that's about five or six feet. So uh, everybody's doing good there. That's probably why the lines were so long. That and people were just being idiots and hoarding all the all the stuff. You know, that, that's ridiculous. Uh, as I was in the store, uh, went and I saw a big uh, throng of people by the eggs. Then I found out later on that was the egg line. So I went to go look for yogurt. Of course, there was none. It was all gone. The Chobani was gone, and even the other one, uh, I forget, the Danon was gone. Uh, I thought that was so weird. So I asked the person in line, I said, is this a line for eggs? They go, yeah. I said, any idea when they're coming? They said, the truck's on the way. Okay, I'm not waiting for eggs. I I like eggs. I need eggs, but I'm not waiting for eggs. Um, Did the smart thing, turned around, went and got the other stuff that I needed. Toilet paper, paper products, completely gone. I've never seen the shelves like that. It was a little eerie. Uh, no flour. They still had sugar at that HEB. Sodas were still plentiful. Cereal was still plentiful. Although all the bars were gone. All the uh, Bisquick was gone. So some people started prepping a little bit too late, if you ask me. Uh, anyway, so we got what we needed. Uh, Went to the checkout, got in, got out, caught, got caught in the rain, made it home. But if you work at HEB, a big, big hand of applause to you guys because uh, you are the, the new essential personnel in this uh, war against the coronavirus. Okay, so that's got out there. It's been a weird because everybody's pretty much stuck at home. Uh, you don't. I know that the the Facebook and everybody's messaging back and forth because that's the only way you can communicate with people is is that way or just call them, you know, the old-fashioned way. I don't think anybody makes phone calls anymore. So, uh, boom. Uh, I've been watching more Crazy Russian Hacker. Interesting show that I like on YouTube, but uh, he started out as a survivalist. Now he tests kitchen gadgets. Or as he say, kitchen gadgets in, in his broken uh, Russian accent. Uh, but it's an interesting show. I, I I tried today to get into The Walking Dead. The, uh, the characters have just changed so much. And the storylines changed. Uh, I just could not get into it, so I abandoned it. Uh, I see the last... I, I was an avid watcher of Walking Dead. I never miss an episode... Started from the first episode when, uh, um, what was his name? The head guy? She, I don't even remember his name anymore. He got shot. He was in the hospital. The, the apocalypse hit. And now he's wandering around the street while the zombies are kind of just out cruising around. I started there. I kind of left at uh, 
when they assaulted the uh, the human camp at what was it called Tribeca Trifecta some Trinity I think it was where they found out that they were eating people they were eating the living which is a big no-no in in that uh, in that show so it's I guess it's been about two maybe three years that I've been out of uh, sync with the Walking Dead so I really don't know what's going on anymore. And I'm really not going to try to find out. I'll just stick to Mondays when they show Better Call Saul because I've been an avid watcher of that. I've watched it from day one. I watched the entire Breaking Bad series, so I know how the characters work. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Uh, Better Call Saul rules. So we're we're here. We're worried about the, the COVID-19 or the coronavirus. Um we're all waiting with bated breath to see what the Senate does. We're still waiting on the vote. They haven't voted yet. They've already done a procedural vote. They're supposed to have the final vote out either tonight or first thing tomorrow morning because it's going to be relief for a lot of people, especially in my case, the unemployed, because they are prepared to fund us for 39 more weeks. When you look at it, that's 10 months. They're anticipating this is going to be a much, much longer than it'll be over by July. Uh, although I am a big supporter of President Trump, and uh, I just, my, my thing is, I, I used to be in the service, so I know how the government works. Nothing is ever done. I mean, hell, even the Ebola uh, scare caught Obama by, 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 caught him with his pants down, so to speak. So this is going to be even tougher. I don't expect them to get it done overnight. This is going to take a while. We're, we're, we need to strap yourself in because it's going to be a very bumpy ride. And I hope all of you are doing well and hunkering down. I hope you got your provisions that you need. Uh, if you don't have to go to the store, don't. But if you do, it's not a bad deal because most, most everybody stays away from one another. We're trying to avoid one another. And we're doing a pretty good job of that, so... Uh, just go out there. I mean, I, I went and washed my clothes uh, the other day at the laundromat. And like I said, the laundromat is a one place where people try to stay as far away from each other as they can. Unless they, unless you know one another. Then it's, it's you'll never get them to stop. Then it's really... Or they show up with their 15 kids. And they've all got an ice cream and they're all dirty and sticky and... Uh, yeah. So, hey, this is humanity, right? So anyway, we are trying to get through this virus. Tomorrow is Monday. I will be getting up 4 in the morning to go to dialysis. That hasn't changed. Some things can't change. Uh, a friend of mine that was a tech, he's a technician, but now he works at a different clinic, posted something on Facebook that uh, health people should get paid time and a half. And I agree with him because you're putting yourself out there at risk dealing with us. Because you never know who's going to come in with something. Uh, it could be a very innocuous cold, the flu, but it can. Who knows? We don't. We don't know because we don't have the testing kits. They can't test us on the spot. I don't know that anything like that exists at this time. But um, yeah, we'll get by, I guess. So, what are you doing to fend off the virus? Washing your hands. Uh, taking it easy with uh, the people that you come in contact with. Uh, they said that maybe since everybody's quarantining themselves, 
there's going to be a whole lot of uh, Corona baby boom in uh, in nine months. I don't think so, because everybody's trying to stay away from each other, and they may that may include your significant other. I don't know. Are people going to have more sex or less sex? You tell me. Drop me a line uh, if you have my email, or if you know my phone number, send me a text, and we'll go from there. Well, we've gone over our time a little bit, so we'll be right back with the Chairland Chronicles after this. And we are back. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host. This is Rubon, or Ben-Hur, as you know it. Um, today was a very strange day. It seemed like the longest day. Uh, still sheltering in place, trying to follow along with the uh, prescribed uh, stay-at-home policies of the government, uh, state, federal, local, to try to avoid the COVID-19 coronavirus. Um, actually, I've been sheltering in place since October, uh, when uh, I, got, I got fired from my job in, in September, and a few week, about a week later. My girlfriend broke up with me, so I have nothing to do, no one to do it with, so I stay home. There's no point in me, there's no money, there's no girl, so there's no point in socializing, even if I did, so I've been sheltering in place since October, so I think I'm good. And uh, speaking of the COVID, uh, interesting thing, I, from what I understand, I didn't hear the, the, the actual uh, uh interview, but it seems that the Lieutenant Governor, Dan Patrick, said that people my age, over the age of 60, are, were pretty much all expendable. So I thought that was a little shocking for to hear from uh, someone in, the, in one of the governments that I installed in Texas. I voted for him, and uh, you know what? I don't know. It could be a slip of the lip. Maybe he didn't think it through when he said it, and it came out. I, I don't know. I'm not shocked. I'm not upset either. Uh, it is what it is. A lot of people are going to get infected, and a lot of people are going to die, but not everybody is going to die. That's the important thing. We're going to have a bottleneck. A bit of, we, we've, been at, we've been at this juncture before many times. We, we, we happened back in 1918 with the Spanish flu, the influenza, the Black Plague, this history, human history is littered with bottlenecks. Something happened, a large segment of the population died, and we moved on. I don't know if this is man-made, nature-made, or God-made. Who knows? But today, uh, in the process of the COVID-19, medical appointments are getting canceled everywhere, left and right. I'm no except, exception. Today I was supposed to have a, uh, a meeting with the University Hospital Transplant Center and we were going to go over policies and procedures, then I was going to have a meeting with the nephrologist, and then I was going to have a meeting with the social worker. And that's what I want to talk about, the social worker. <coughs> Excuse me, that's not COVID. I hope not. So... They told me that, the, that my appointment was going to be canceled for today because of the COVID-19, but that today I was probably going to get a phone call from the social worker to conduct the interview. 
So sure enough, 9 o'clock, she rolls around, she calls. It's uh, Her name was Danielle. She was with the University Transplant Center. Uh, they're the ones that are going to be doing the transplant when and if that ever comes to pass. <clears throat> and uh, it was about an hour-long interview. She asked me a whole lot of questions, and I got a chance to ask her a whole lot of questions. The point being, and the reason I was hitting her with a lot of questions is because I have a lot of questions. And she's a social worker. And my God, this woman, oh, was the best. She had an answer for every question. She explained to me in much, much detail as to why things happen the way they do. Now, I told you a while back that I should have been on Medicare. Oh, no, not Medicare, but Social Security from from the day that I got the chronic kidney disease, which was... April the 16th, 2018. But uh, when the social worker in the hospital came to see me, she didn't catch it, so I slipped through that crack. When I reported to my uh, my clinic for the first time, uh, within the first week they did an intake interview that was done not by the social worker, but by the dietitian on staff. So when the question came up, are you on, are you drawing Social Security? The answer was no. And that was the end of it. So we've since moved from that clinic to a, it's the same company, different clinic on San Saba. And now the social worker there introduced herself. Actually, we've gone through two social workers. It seems that social work is not for everyone. Not everybody can do this because it can be very demanding when you're dealing with a lot of people like us that are very, very sick. So, uh, four social workers and four times I fell through the cracks. They didn't catch it. So now I'm backpedaling, trying to catch up with Social Security people to get the the money that I think I'm owed. Two years, it's a lot of cash. And I need it because, like I said, I've been living paycheck to paycheck when I was working. And it was hard. Uh, and now it's even harder because I need supplemental insurance and I can't afford it. So my teeth are slowly rotting in my head and my eyesight is slowly going blind. I can probably fix this if somebody did their job. Now, the reason I say this is because this gal, Danielle, I said you should be the senior social worker ever because you get you seem to be getting things done. And she told me something very interesting. She goes, in this game or this profession, you're going to run into two kinds of social workers. Those that care about their fellow human being and wants to make sure they get everything they deserve from the government. And those that choose to fall into the bureaucracy of the government job and just let it carry them where they may like so much leaves in the wind. And you know what? That's okay. That's a your thing, but maybe when you become a social worker, you found that calling for a reason. That'd be like if I found out you decided to become a priest just because you could molest altar boys. Well, that's not the reason to become a priest, because God called you and you answered. I have a friend, her name is Crystal, and I'm not going to give you her full name, but she knows who she is. used to work with her at the, at the comedy club. She's an ex-sailor, just like me. She was a carrier sailor. She was a nuke. And now she's working on her master's degrees in social work. She's going to be a hell of a social worker, and I can tell you why, because she cares about people. This gal is hurting herself. 
She's got oh, so much disability from the military, bad hips, bad back, from running up and down stairs on, on an aircraft carrier, uh, making sure the engines were grinding the way they should be, and she paid for it. She she gave up, a, she left a big part of herself on aircraft carriers across the, across the theaters. And so when she does become a full-fledged social worker, whoever gets her is going to be damn lucky because she's a good person. And I know she's going to care about what people, what she can get for people out of the social end of government. As far as me, well, there's not much she can do because she doesn't work for me. So far, I think I've gotten four duds when it comes to social workers. And uh, I'm still a little incensed that my initial intake was done by the dietitian who sometimes I wonder if she even knows what her job is. I like the gal, but sometimes I wonder, because now with the COVID, it's almost like they have a, a, a license not to have to show up and interact with us. Uh, you see the social the social worker, I haven't seen her all week, and we're going on uh, eight, day eight. I haven't seen her all last week or this week. The dietitian made an appearance on Monday where she just ran through the, the clinic saying hello to everybody and then disappeared. So I don't know. Uh, people say, well, why don't you go to a different clinic, Ruben? Well, it's because they're all the same. You may go to a, I may go to a different clinic with a different company, and it may be shittier or it may be better, but I'm not willing to take that risk right now. And I may get another social worker that's just a complete dud. You know, so who's to say? I can't. I... Uh, I'm trying to ride this thing and get what I can as I go. I'm, I'm like trying to grab grass rings on the merry-go-round. And sometimes I don't reach. And hopefully one day I'll reach and I'll have the right reach and I'll pull that ring off the, off the, off the rod and uh, get my prize. But right now I'm still so sucking on fumes, you know. I'm trying to get by. No money, living on unemployment, and that sucks, you know. So... Uh, social workers. If you're going to be a if you're going to be a social worker, be a damn good one. Don't just write it because you just want to not do anything all day long. Be in it to win it. Get in there because you want to help people and you want to get them what they got, what they deserve, what they got coming. You know. So we're coming up on the ten minute mark, and we will be right back. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm Ben Hur. Hello and welcome back to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. Uh, your host Ben here, Ben Her, <laughs> and uh, today is Wednesday, March the 25th. It's uh, it's been a weird day. Um, well, let me just catch you up. Today, the Senate voted on the massive coronavirus bill, the relief package that I thought had been voted on, and now I'm finding out that Bernie Sanders wants to block it because, oh, it's bailing out the capitalist capitalist uh, corporations and it's not doing enough for the workers. Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer are whining about... I've seen some of this bill, and some of the things that they've, they've tacked on, the Democrats have tacked on at the last minute, is really ridiculous. You know... $10,000 student loan forgiveness? Come on, please. This is social engineering stuff that should be left alone. It should be put on the back burner for when there is no crisis and you can argue about this all you want. 
people out there are suffering and dying and going broke. The second thing that happened today, I'm not going to get into very much about the, the first thing. It just is a quagmire. I mean, pass the relief, get it over with, and let's move forward because uh, this thing is getting worse and worse. It's starting to get to me because, uh, well, let me catch you up. Today I'm sitting at the clinic. I'm hooked up to the machine. Everything's fine. Everything's going well. The social worker comes out and is handing everybody a slip of paper. When she gets to me, she goes, this is just a letter from the clinic. Uh, you can read it later, and uh, that's the end of it. She moved on. I gave one to everybody else that was, at, that was there this morning. I, of course, excuse me, I, of course, cannot read print that small. I have to have a magnifying glass. So I fold it up and bring it home. So now, I get home, I'm having my second morning cup of coffee, just to ease me from uh, clinic, and I start to read the letter, and basically the letter is a permission slip to cross all roadblocks and barriers that I do have business uh, with the clinic for dialysis treatment to save my life. Well, this is not the first time I saw this pop up on my Facebook with another friend of mine who works also in a hospital in Kerrville, where he got a letter of the same nature saying that they can cross all roadblocks uh, to get to the hospital to do their job. This scares me because what's what do these people know something that we don't? Are those two very, very uh, scary words that we've never heard before in this in this generation, as far as I, I know, martial law. Now, you've heard that in the movies. You've heard that on all the, uh, the apocalypse TV and shows and whatnot. Martial law is when the military comes into a civilian facility, a city, a town, and pretty much takes it over. They set the hours of operation that people will move about the city. And usually the, it's a, there's a curfew, sun up to sundown, nine times out of ten. So this letter is allowing me to cross all barriers and, and, uh, and, and gates when the sun's not up to go to clinic. Because they're going to continue to run as needed. But is martial law just right around the corner? It could be. And that's scary. Um... If you ever saw the movie Gladiator, the one thing that scared the Senate the most, which is one of the reasons they never allowed a standing army in Rome, because they pretty much figured the Praetorian Guard had the, the Caesars and the Senate covered and any other defense that the city needed. There was never, a standing army was never allowed in Rome, simply for the fact that it would be too easy to for them to stage a coup and overthrow the Senate and or the Caesar. So to have an armed force, and the National Guard's already out and about in a lot of cities already. Strictly humanitarian, they say, but that can change at a moment's notice. I think this virus is really getting out of hand. Oh, they talk a good a good talk, everybody talks, and it's boiled down really and truly to a political decision 
uh, and that in cahoots with uh, with what everybody's talking about, what uh, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick was saying about everybody over the age of 65 is expendable. This is very disheartening. I mean, if you start setting curfews, what's next? The, the stores, the stores are going to close. The the whole purpose, I understand, of martial law is to control the civilian population, keep them quarantined in their homes if that's what need be, and also nobody's running around at night. There will be nobody going out to the movies, to the bars, to the restaurants. Of course, they're already closed. And anybody who violates curfew, who's caught out after hours, in a time of war, is shot. No ifs, ands, or buts, no questions asked. They see you on the street, you are shot. I'm pretty sure in this day and age they're probably going to arrest you and turn you over to the local civil authorities. But uh, it's scary because this morning uh, when I was going to clinic, I'm leaving the house at 5 o'clock in the morning. It's dark. And today, this morning, it was very, very foggy outside. So as I'm going to clinic, I'm going down uh, Cesar Chavez. Well, actually, it's uh, the old Durango Street. And I'm coming up to the Joe Webb Bridge, which goes over the train tracks and reconnects with Cesar Chavez, uh, just where 37 is. As I'm going up the road, my light was green, so I proceeded straight on through the intersection. As I'm going up the bridge and I'm on the outside lane, I see two figures on bikes, all dressed in black. And the bikes were there was no reflective material, no lights or reflectors at all on them. I couldn't. If it wasn't for the street light, I would not have seen their outlines in the fog. So I swerved to miss them. It was two kids on a bike. What the, what the hell are two kids doing out at five o'clock in the morning? Nothing good, I can tell you that much. And where their parents? You know, I I don't know. We're we're living in a very strange time. It's weird. I mean, you have a disease on one side, you have the government that looks like it's ready to clamp down on the other. I can see fear in the eyes of people that I see on the street. It's a very unnerving, un very eerie fear that uh, we don't know what's coming. Somebody does, and that's what bothers me. They're not sharing knowledge. We need to know. I believe, I've always been a firm believer, tell them straight up, uh, you tell a pilot the condition of his craft. If he's going to die, he needs to know that so he can prepare. We're no different. In this day and age, I don't think we're any different. We need to know. So, with this knowledge, I am very weary, very wary of what's going on. I don't know. What do you think? Is it that bad? Maybe the people hoarding toilet paper, yogurt, and milk had uh, some semblance of an idea what was going to happen. I still try to have faith. I, I mean, I, I, that's the only thing I can hold on to, is just have a little faith that it's going to be okay. Uh, but right now, everybody else is moving in shadows that really bothers me. Um... Uh, it's very, very disheartening. I don't know.
maybe in a way these little vignettes of mine are testament to a world that may not be here much longer. I don't, I don't know. And it scares me. All I can do is hope and uh, pray everything turns out for the best. Oh, and by the way, found weird, weird thing. I got a phone call, and I'm, I didn't. I, I'm going to return the call tomorrow. But uh, it seems my surgery is still going. Is still a go for Tuesday, March the thirty-first. So either they're going to allow it, the hospital's going to allow it because it was made before all this started, or my doctor has that much clout that they're going to let him cut. So, fingers crossed for that, fingers crossed for everything else, and uh, we will we will get by. All right, well, we will be back with another segment, and you're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. And we are back. Uh, you're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. This has been her, and I am here at clinic, hooked up to the K2008 Widowmaker uh, dialysis machine. And uh, you're going to hear sounds and alarms and things buzzing, uh, TVs on, and uh, it's just another day in clinic. I don't hear anybody coughing other than the normal coughs from that people have. Uh, yeah, there's, there's somebody's done. That's the alarm that we all hope to hear because that means that our session's done. So, the technicians go take care of that person and find out what's going on. But, uh, this is just taking up so much of our time is the COVID-19 uh, virus, the pandemic. Maybe it's better that people are taking it in stride. I think they're finally getting it. But it's the government that uh, they're not kind of worried about what their response is going to be. Because i got a feeling a whole bunch of us are going to get infected. We're not all going to die but a lot of us are going to go to get, get infected. I think it's a lot like, oh, what, a thousand years ago, during the reign of the Black Plague, bubonic plague. What did people do as their neighbors were infected and dying, or people in the town, the village were infected and dying? You sat there and you, you sat there in your hut and you tried to figure out what you were going to do to survive for the next day. Because in those days there was no electricity, there was no running water. The conditions were a lot worse than what we got now. And uh, you just waited for your time. I think that's kind of what we're doing. The question is, am I going to get infected? And then am I going to die? It's a little pessimistic, yeah, I know, but um, the truth is the truth. You can't get away from that. And uh, this is the world that we live in. Also, uh, 
that friend that I was telling you that's a social worker who's working on her master's degree. Her name is Crystal Sorrell. And uh, she's a she's a hard charging chick, former sailor, cusses as bad as I do. Beautiful girl, wonderful person. Uh, if you ever get her as a social worker, you're in good hands. She's going to take very good care. She's going to make sure you get everything that you got coming to you. Seems that in my course of uh, dealing with social workers, I've drawn four duds. When it comes to social workers, you're going to draw high or you're going to draw low. And in my case, I've drawn low four times in a row. And, uh, well, it hasn't worked out for me. Some people draw really good. I mean, like the, the social worker that I drew when I was interviewed with the University Hospital Transplant System. She was aces. She knew her shtick. She knew what it was to be a social worker, and she cared. The social workers here at the clinic don't give a damn. They just come in, draw a paycheck, and go home. And that's sad for the rest of us because they should be fighting for us because we don't know the, the ins and outs of the social system when it comes to Medicare and all that other stuff, Social Security, SSI, all that stuff. So, sometimes you draw high, sometimes you draw low, and that's just that. But if you ever draw Crystal Sorrells, you're in good hands. Okay? Also, I need to thank the Anchor Podcast System for doing this for me. This is episode number two. There's about six segments in this. I don't know how long this segment's going to be, because I'm already at five minutes. It just reminds me of the days when I was in radio, when I could talk and talk and talk. But then again, there's nobody around to shut me up. So, there you go. Well, I think I'll probably cut this one short so I can get this episode out and get it up. Everybody take care. Keep yourselves isolated. Practice social distancing. Wash your hand. Lava los manos. Also, keep your hygiene up. Shower. Keep yourself smelling good. Uh, Eat right. And make sure you eat, please. And as always, live, laugh, and love. I didn't include this in my last, uh, the ending of my last episode, so see the things that you forget when when I'm writing and the things when you actually speak it into a, a telephone. So... Now that that's said, these are the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. Signing off.